0: go forth and be tailor-made for every person here, Father. We need to hear from you. We need your instruction. We need your wisdom, Father. We need you to speak, Lord. So right now, every person in this room, we tune out all distractions, everything that could be competing for our mind's focus, Father. And we are releasing a signal right now with our hearts, Lord, that say, come and speak. We want to hear from you, In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Also, at The Rock, we do our Bible declaration. This just reminds us that this is no ordinary book. We don't approach this casually. This is the word of God. It's living and active. It has the potential to cut straight to our hearts right where we need it. So we declare this every week. So if you have your Bible, hold it up ready, go. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. We are excited. You saw the BFAM conference is coming up October 15th and 16th. I just encourage you, if you're leading in any capacity, if you desire to be a better leader, get in the room for that conference. We will be there. We're excited to hear from amazing speakers and just be filled up in our leadership journey. So, I invite you to be there for that. Also, there is no blueprints class today after service. It's the fifth Sunday in September, so there is no blueprints class today. But there is the Word of God right now. Can we say Amen to that? Yeah. Woo, I'm hungry. Lord, I love to feast on the goodness of God. I'm telling you, nothing satisfies like the word of the Lord. And This is not a church that we are made for signs and wonders and miracles. We preach the word of God here. We are unapologetic that this word is true and nothing will transform your life like feasting of it and doing it. That is one of the scriptures that our church is founded on. It's in Luke. Um, Come to Jesus, hear his sayings and do them. Amen. Not just come in here, but do them. So we're Going to get into that today. We've been in a series called "Called to Greatness." This is a message today called "Greatness Will Prevail." And as I was preparing for this time, I asked the Holy Spirit, who is the active teacher, to teach and speak. And He gave a sense in my heart that there is going to be a prevailing. For many of you over the things that you're facing. Prevail or the word prevail, I looked it up just means to overcome opposing forces. So if there is any force, anything coming against you in the form of sickness, financial burdens, stuff with your kiddos, even a sense that there's literally a resistance on your life, a darkness, anything. The Lord is saying to you this morning that you will prevail, that you can overcome that situation, that obstacle. You have to believe the Lord. You have to believe his word and come at those things full of faith and believing he will take those things down. I've seen him do it in my own life. Amen. So prevail today. But this message is called greatness will prevail. If you're taking notes, we've been in this series. We've talked about the road to greatness. We've talked about greatness inside. It says in the word greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So you have this greatness on the inside of you. You were made for greatness. There's things we can do to walk that path out. But this message this morning is called greatness will prevail. And the greater one inside of us will prevail no matter what you're facing, no matter your circumstances, no matter what's maybe been discouraging you, even this week, you can prevail and greatness will prevail in your life. Let's read this together. It's going to be up on the screens. Galatians 6 9. Ready, go. And oh, And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So it says in due season, we might reap in due season if God wills it. No, in due season, we shall reap, but you know what? People approach the word of God and they put their own words in there. Well, maybe I'll reap. Well, maybe this will happen. I don't know, God, I've been believing for three whole days and you haven't come through. You know how people get, I've been praying for four minutes and you didn't show up, God. No, the Bible says that if we do not lose heart and do not grow weary, we shall. Shall reap. How long do we keep believing these things? How long do we keep doing good? Forever. This is a forever kind of kingdom. This is a we're going to stick at it kind of a thing. We see people all too often give up right before their breakthrough, lose heart right when God is ready to manifest and do miracles in your life. And you know what? We're in a process. Tell your neighbor you're a piece of work and you're in a process. (laughs) maybe not as messed up as your other neighbor, but we're all a little messed up. No, the Bible says we shall reap if we do not grow weary. It says in due season, we shall reap we as humans have a tendency to look at the likelihood of things happening rather than looking at God and what he says. Well, maybe that could happen. And we interject our human experience and we lose the power of faith in almighty God who promises us in his word, you shall reap. you It's not, we might reap. You shall reap. If you do not grow weary in well-doing, keep at it, friends. Greatness will prevail, but we, cannot lose heart in due seasons you shall reap many believers quit before God is ready to do those miracle things. Do I have any saints in the house that have walked with God season after season and seen God be faithful and faithful and faithful? If you do not what lose heart, you got to stick out this thing. I'm seeing Christians or people that said they were Christians. Now you could approach them and say, Oh, I don't believe all that anymore. And then they think you're judgmental when you stand on the word of God and are unapologetic about the word of truth. People People are making up their own doctrines. They're walking away from the things of God because it doesn't make sense or it doesn't fit in this cultural context. No, the word of God is true. And those who stick at it and stay with it shall reap. And there's a place for you on top if you do not lose heart and you stick with the word of God. There's two major areas of God's work. It says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship prepared. God has prepared the works beforehand. Last week I mixed up my major prophets and I said, Isaiah was called by God as a prophet, but it's really Jeremiah. It says before the foundations of the earth, Jeremiah, I called you and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. The good works it says in the word are already prepared. There is no negotiating. God has prepared in advance the good works for your life. Okay. That is done. This is not based on, Oh, well, now that you've made that mistake, the good works are off the table and I don't have those prepared for you. No, they're finished. They're done. And now what is God working on? He's working on us his workmanship. Okay. The works are settled before the foundation of the earth. He said, Rich Crockett, I made you, I formed you and all the days of your life, the plan for your life, the good works, they're done. Now he works on us, his workmanship to get you ready to will and to do not just for your own life, but for his good pleasure. I spent a lot of time willing and doing for my life. I did what I wanted to do. My husband would call it say, we live like kings and queens. We eat what we want, when we want. We go where we want. We act this way, right? But when God gets a hold of your life, you say, not my will, but yours be done. And then the process begins where he begins to work in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. It says it in Philippians 2.13. For it is God who begins to work in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. God began to do that in my own life. Several years ago, they called us into, Pastor Ty called me into his office there in Anaheim and said, we would like you to pray about going down to South Orange County to start a new Church of the Rock. And I said, what all faith-filled women say, no. I don't want to do that. So I said, no. And I shut that good work down. Did you hear me? God was trying to do a good work. And I closed the door because I said, that doesn't make sense to me. We're doing just fine. We live here in Anaheim. I'm the kids pastor. I love my life. I don't want to be a local pastor again. I've done that and it hurts and And I'm not ready to do that. Right? So I shut that door down. And what do you think God began to do for the next 18 months or so? He began to work in me to will and to do not for Anna's good pleasure, but for his good pleasure. Cause God had prepared this work before the foundations of the world for us to walk in. And I just had to get in line with what God had already prepared. And we are walking in a prepared work in this church. I'm telling you the hand of God is on this ministry here in this local region. And God just was working on what? Me, his workmanship, the works are prepared. His workmanship needs to get prepared for the good works. Am I getting anyone's attention this morning? God is working on you, your willingness and your obedience to follow through where we can finally say, I surrender God, not my will, but yours be done. I'm telling you, that is the journey of this life of us getting, God's getting our attention and saying, are you done yet? Live in your own dream. Cause people tell us all the time. Pastors say this all the time. The Lord has a plan for your life, right? Jeremiah says that for, I know the plans I have for you says the Lord. And I love that because he does have plans for you. But can I tell you that God has plans for the world, that God has a plan for the world and the plan for your life fits into his plan for the world, so he didn't create you just to mope around and go to Starbucks and live your little world. He created you to fit into his global plan for the world, and he's trying to get your attention to say, I gave you gifts. I formed you and fashioned you. I have a work for you, they're already prepared. they're not based on you, they're not based on your performance. Oh I did I measure up this week? Maybe God has good works for me. It says they're done. He created the works, they're done. Now he's working on us and to do and to will for his good pleasure. And this calling, this calling in this life is not to chase comfort or convenience. That will kill your spiritual life. If your goal is just to be comfortable, well, you can pack your bags up and head on home because this church will not lead you to be comfortable. I'm telling you, I stepped out of the boat. And I'm going to take as many people as want to get on down the road to what God has for them. I'm sick and tired of just living the comfortable and convenient life. I want to see some signs and some wonders and some miracles and some families that are shaking up darkness and doing some massive things. And that's why we're here. And we're not going to be quiet about it. The Lord told me the impact this church would have. He told me it is massive. And I'm thinking, us. You're going to do that with us. You know what he's going to do? He's going to get your attention. He's going to arrest your heart. He's going to remind you what he made you for. And you reaching out to the earth, being who he created you to be, is what will impact this region and everywhere the sole of your foot treads. You will shake up things because based on the call of God on the inside of you, this church is going to impact thousands of people with the glory and goodness of God. But it has to be caught in it has to be a people that says, I'm not just going to run after my own story. I'm done just living my little dream. God has a dream for the whole world. And I know this church is part of mobilizing people that catch it so that where you go, light shines, where you go, things are shaken up and change the atmosphere changes because you're there. There's a place on top for you, but we got to catch this. We got to catch this. We don't get credit for wanting to change. We get credit for changing, for doing it. There's no credit, you know. Nowadays, I I, I check the school loop. My kids' school grades get sent to me. Oh, this is like this technology is kind of agitating, if I'm honest. Like every day, it'll be like sends me their homework. Sometimes you just want to be like, I don't know, just get it done, right? But I get their their. Their work sent to me. My kids don't get credit for wanting to do a good job. They get credit when they turn up, they do the work, they turn it in, they follow through. And the same with the kingdom of God. If we got credit and saw this shaken up just because we wanted to, no, it's to will and to do for His good pleasure. So if God is dealing with you and He dealt with me, Anna, get yourself down to South Orange County already. You know, he kind of had to get firm with me in a gentle way, but he does that. He'll be like... What are you waiting for? I've prepared good works for you. They're on the other side of your fears, usually. They're on the other side of your comfort. But there they are waiting for you. And you get in the flow of those good works. I'm telling you, fear drops off. You just feel radically courageous when you go after what God has prepared for you. This isn't a sit on the sidelines. No one's on the bench in this game. This is all skate. Do you remember when kids would go to the skate rink? Any 80s people? <laughs> where are my 80s people when you would go to the skate rink in the 80s they had that they would have speed skate where only the fast people could skate and then they would have the skate where they would like let the kids with their bars you know the slow kids and then there would be all skate where everyone was on the out there skating together the fast the sl- this is an all skate type of a kingdom okay <laughs> No matter what, you got to get in there. We're having some fun. When I was about 19, 20 years old, you know, God's been preparing me for this as he's been preparing you your whole life for the good works, right? We miss it sometimes. We think, why are you putting me through that, God? Why this hard season? He's preparing his workmanship for good works. If you saw that, if you saw that life is good and bad, there's hard stuff, there's good stuff, and they kind of go all the time. If you would see it as you're preparing me now, when hard stuff comes my way, rejection, frustration, I just have this hunch. I'm like, You're preparing me for greater works, God. I'm not going to dismiss this process or be frustrated by. Oh, look at this circumstance. I'm going to say, Greater is He that is in me, and the great one is doing something in me, preparing me for a greater work. But if you don't catch this, you'll just think, Look at these circumstances, and your mouth will be like, See, it always happens this way. As soon as I make a little money, something happens, and your mouth will disagree with the word of God, and then you're all bummed out. No you don't talk like that. We're fluent in faith. And when things come our way, we say he's preparing greater works for me. God is up to something. You know, the the sun rises and falls on the just and the unjust. Good things happen. Hard things happen. It's not a sign of anything. Okay. Just get over it friends and just get after the things that see now I'm feeling real comfortable. This is how I am. This is how I really am. You can ask my husband, I'm not tolerant because there is a dark world out there and you are an anointed people and I know it. That's why we're here, to get after the things of darkness. So stop messing around. But anyways, when I was 19 years old, uh, my dad and I would go run. We lived in Palm Springs, California. And our running route took us up behind Palm Canyon, along the mountain there. And we would drop off out onto Palm Canyon. And then after a good run, you go eat biscuits and gravy, right? Because that's what we did. We just worked all that and then blew it. But during my running route we would pass this little hotel called Karakia. And the word Karakia means crow in Greek. And a, a rich man had a wife that did not want to live in America. She wanted to live in Morocco. So what he did is he built the architecture of a Moroccan estate in the center of downtown Palm Springs nestled against the mountains. This hotel was pretty world famous. Um, I, I loved, I saw it was beautiful. Went and approached them, said, I want to work here. I got a job there. I ended up running a, a, a dinner program that was in magazines where they, a five-star chef would come in and we would make this spread of hummus and all these treats while we were out on this deck that looked like you were in Morocco. And, um, I worked there. I lived there for a season. So if someone got locked out of their hotel room, my phone would ring and I, we got locked out. But I didn't know it at the time, but God was using this job to prepare me for good work. So one of the tasks I had with the dinner program was I would have to go, there was 21 rooms on the property. And when your job was the night shift, you had to go in each room and do a European-style turndown where you fold the bed covers back and you make it look nice for them and you would leave a little chocolate and a note that said, Sweet dreams, love Karakia. And this was something we did every room that was occupied in the hotel. So I'm going through my night shift one night. I'm turning down beds and I'm kind of rushing because I probably wanted to watch like Melrose Place or something, some good 90s program. And so I'm rushing through the turndowns, right? We had a dog that lived on the hotel property. It was the owner of the hotel. His dog lived there because he lived on the back house and the dog would follow me from room to room. while I did the turndowns. So I'm all done. I'm back in my, where I lived and I'm ready to nestle in and I get a phone call. And my boss, his name was Doug Smith. And Doug was an architect. He was written up in Architectural Digest and celebrities would come. We would do pop stars weddings there. And it was just a, like a hub for Hollywood and Famous people. And Doug was meticulous. Doug was like the kind of boss that you did not want to mess with. He knew everything. If you put something out, like put something back on a shelf wrong, you'd get a call. Okay. This is the kind of boss. So when you see him calling your phone, you're like, what did I do? So I pick up the phone. He said, Anna, I just went in the rooms you just turned down and they do not look good. You need to go back and redo all the rooms. And I was so convicted. I felt like, man, I thought I did an okay job, but maybe I was being lazy, you know, or just not doing my best. And the whole, I don't like to just work for man. I needed God to speak to me. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your heart. So the Holy Spirit was like, What if Jesus himself was tucking into that bed at night? How would you prepare that room if it was Jesus? So that got some wind in my sails. I went back room by room, you guys. Took me a long time, but I got those beds perfect. I did an excellent job. And I knew that God was preparing me for greater works. You ever had a boss like that? You ever had situations like that that just seemed to like, you can't get a break? Sure enough, while I'm back room by room doing that, and God's working on me at Karakia to do good, to live excellent, to not cut corners, because my boss would call me on, everything. I had to pick bougainvillea off of the trees to make tablescapes. And if I didn't put enough flowers on the table, bring, tell Anna to go put more flowers on the third table. And I'd be like, where is he? How does he see everything? Right? He was that kind of a boss, but I did it. God was working on me. He was making me excellent. He didn't want me cutting corners. Same time, I'm working at California Pizza Kitchen. Everyone eating at CPK. This is not about pizza and hotels. God is preparing his workmanship for good works. And he'll use things. He'll use your job. He'll use your marriage. I was working at CPK and I got secret shopped. It's where they send someone in to to test your servers to see if they're doing a good job, right? We had eight. 18 points of service every table, every time you had to do these 18 things in order to get a perfect score well, I did a perfect job. My boss called me in, but I forgot one thing. I forgot to charge a customer for their coffee. So in his mind, I stole from the company. So I'm getting worked at Karakia room by room. And then at CPK, my boss is saying, Anna, that's as if you stole from the company. I said, I didn't mean to. I just forgot to ring it in. I'm honestly. So they wrote me up. I got in trouble. And then they said, but we're going to send more secret shoppers. your." So, what do you think I did? I was on it. I was on those 18 points of services. I remembered every detail. I didn't give free coffee away ever. I double charged. I was on it. And then my boss called me in one day and he said, You were secret shopped again. And I was nervous and my heart was beating like, Please say, I got it right. He's like, not only did you get a hundred percent on your secret shopper, you were entered into a contest for CPKs of California and you won the contest and you won a thousand dollars. Um, for, for doing such an excellent job. See, God is into promotion. He's into you excelling, but he's going to work on you, his workmanship. And he's not just working in the spiritual things. He's working in the places you work, the things he's entrusted to you, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your heart. Cause where does promotion come from? Promotion comes from the Lord. He has the ability to set one up and put down another, but we've got to work diligently with all our hearts. Sometimes you can feel almost it's unfair. Like, I'm offend, God, I'm offended by you. Why are you calling me on everything? Why are you challenging my life to this higher calling? You know God can offend you. God offends you probably more than anyone else, if I'm being honest. We can get so offended by the things he asks of us, but you got to get over it because miracles and the things God wants to do are the, on the other side of those offenses, on the other side of God preparing you as his workmanship to will and to do. God will deal with you. He's trying to work with you. I remember being a newlywed and God even told me now when I was doing laundry, like for the the household, it was just Joel and I, I would go to fold Joel's laundry and I wanted to cut corners. Is it just me? Am I the only one? But I wouldn't turn his shirts inside out or, you know, you'd go to fold their socks, but you just leave them like wrong side out and just fold them and make him do the work. And the Holy Spirit's like, turn his socks right side out and hang his shirts up. And I was like. But God wasn't preparing me just to live that way in my marriage. God was preparing me for great works that, that he had prepared in advance for me. And I needed the character and the diligence and the follow through. And so he will work on you. Don't don't get offended by how he's preparing you. Say there's greater works for me. Greatness will prevail. But he's working on his workmanship to will and to do for his good pleasure. You know, God called Jeremiah. It says in Jeremiah 1, 5 through 8, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, this is Jeremiah talking back to God. Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, oh, I love that, for I am with you, to deliver you, says the Lord. We come out of agreement with the things God is saying. well i can't do that, God, you know who I am, you know my deficiencies, you know my weaknesses, you see my sins, I can't be and God's saying, don't you disagree with what I've said about you? These works are settled. Who I made you to be is settled now, let me work on you to will and to do for my good pleasure. I have a holy calling. You have a holy calling. God has called you to great things. Now, when it says, do not be afraid of their faces. I love this because as God begins to propel you and move you, you might share the vision. You might share the great things God is saying to you about your life. And sometimes some people will look at you like, I know you, how are you going to do that? What's going on with you? I know your story. Isn't that gentle? of the father to put that in the word of God. Now to Jeremiah and to you, don't be afraid of the people's faces. When you tell them what I have said to you for behold, I'm with you. This is not, there's not a vote up in heaven. Every time a new good work comes your way. Okay, everyone, um, Perlita has got something going on. Let's gather around and, and everyone vote and think if Pearl is going to No, this is already set in place. The works he's prepared for her done. And he's preparing the workmanship to walk in them. Do not be afraid of their faces. God's saying, I'm going to back you as you walk this out. God's not going to bring anything against you that he hasn't already prepared for you to tackle, to overcome, to subdue, to walk in. Isaiah forty five one through the three says this. This is a, a a king, not a not a righteous king, but King Cyrus. And God says this to him. Thus says the Lord to His anointed. He's anointed him to do great things. To Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him, and loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors, so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you. And God would say this to us and make the crooked places straight. I will break into pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by name, am the God of Israel. God is the one who sets this up. God is the one who prepares the works. You just have to walk in them. You have to walk it out with him, the works he's already prepared. But we get tripped up. Well, God. What's in it for me? This seems challenging. This seems hard, what you're asking me to do. What's in it for me? what am I going to get out of this? Am I going to embrace what God has for me? Or am I going to just continue to go around the mountain, hoping that my life will amount to something? Or am I going to get in the flow of what God is doing? The prepared works that he's already made ready for you. When God's blessing and favor is on you, he lifts you high above your enemies. You have an unfair advantage over them. Your job I remember being in a, in a mentorship in Santa Barbara when I was going to college. And one of my mentors there, she asked me one time, a young woman, Anna, what do you want out of life? And like, I said, I just want to be happy. You know, like that was my mind. I just want to be happy. And she said, no, no, no. You want to be obedient because happiness is based on circumstances, but obedience comes with joy, joy that is not based on circumstances. And the Bible says Deuteronomy 28. Now it shall come to pass. If you diligently obey, you hear that word, obey the voice of the Lord, your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I commanded you today, that the Lord, your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you're happy No, because you obey the voice of the Lord, your God. When you're tired of obeying, you're tired of going up. I'm telling you, this is the kingdom. And God is probably addressing many of you in your personal life with little details. He can get so picky with us. And instead of getting offended by what he's asking of you, see it that he's preparing you, seeing that he's drawing you up. And the reason he's bringing whatever it is, the challenges, the the things he's trying to get into your attention about it's because he's trying to take you somewhere. Stop being offended by it. Nestle into him, nestle in and flow with him in the things he's addressing you in. And don't promote yourself. You obey the Lord. It says he will lift you up. Self-promotion, it says it like this. Self-promotion is attempting to swim your way out of quicksand. The harder you try, the further down you sink. The Bible says in Proverbs 21, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. We exhaust ourselves trying to take ourselves up in the things of God, in places of influence, You just need to obey the voice of the Lord, your God, and he will deliver you. He will take you to those places. He'll open doors that no man can shut and he'll shut doors that no man can open. This is the blessing of obeying the Lord and letting him work on you. There's no other way to this life. I'm telling you, and we've got to walk in it. God doesn't need you to help with the promotion process. He needs you to be faithful with the assignment he's given you. Proverbs 12, 24 says this, The hand of the diligent will rule, but the mate lazy man will be put to forced labor. I identify with that. I was forced into labor in that hotel. But I'm telling you, he made me diligent worker in that atmosphere, so much so that when later in life that I was in hotel management um, at the Hyatt in Huntington Beach, I became that boss, that I would walk through the hair salon, and I'd say, girls, girls, look around. What's out of place? And I would call them on things, and they didn't like me. Well, some of those hairdressers, they would come in. They were double my age, and they would just look at me like, why are you so picky about... And they didn't they didn't know that they were God's workmanship. Let's just put it that way. They weren't in the loop that I was part of the process for preparing them for good works. But we get mad and frustrated. We just need to thank the Lord. If someone's calling you out or rubbing you wrong and you want to be like offended, just maybe, just maybe, God might be using it to prepare his workmanship for something magnificent. Don't despise it. Thank the Lord. Sometimes now, as I go through hard things, even in the ministry, Or with the kids, I'll find myself in a quiet place being like, why is this? I know why this is happening. I see you, God. I see your hand in this tough circumstance. Have your way in me. Help me get this, what you're trying to get to me through this thing, this prepared thing, this process, this circumstance. I see you, God, in this. That was for someone in the room right now who is being challenged right now by someone or something that you just, you want to quit. You want to get out of there and be like, I'm done with this. You know, it's like this. My kid, get a lot of scabs because I have a lot of kids and they fall a lot. You know, when a scab is just about ready to heal, it gets the most agitating. It's the most like, that's the moment when you want to Get at it, pick it, and deal with it. Could it be that because there's like an up increase of agitation in some circumstances that God is saying, "I'm about to do something right there," and I'm not trying to bring it to your attention so that you'll pick it and be frustrated. I'm bringing it to your attention so you'll intercede and you'll pray and you'll get to that thing that I'm doing with that situation. Remember Joseph. And the Bible, Joseph, man, that guy got an unfair rap. Do you think that Joseph was thanking God when he was put in a prison, when he was wrongfully accused, when his brothers sold him into slavery, but all throughout scriptures, Joseph modeled, he didn't retaliate. He had a sense after some time and God knew it beforehand. God had appointed Joseph to lead the lineage of Abraham in a time and provide food in an hour of famine. Joseph, this work was, already prepared for Joseph. The pathway to get there took some prison time and some frustration, but all along Joseph had the, the inner knowledge that God, there was something going on that was preparing him to be in the right place at the right time. And sure enough, there he was when his brothers and his family line came in need of food in an hour of famine. Who do you think God put over the food rations in the, the inner courts of the Kings. He was the one and he recognized his brothers and said, I am your brother, Joseph, and do not be worried. God worked all this out. So I would be in this position in this moment to care for you. Can you imagine that posture of heart it took? But God had an Egypt for Joseph to rule and God has places for you to rule, but you got to be settled that you're not going to give up on the leg of the race where it looks a little wonky or like, what's going on here? I thought as a Christian, all God's promises are yes and amen. Yes. And amen. He's preparing you for great works, but that preparation process sometimes will look a little wonky, but don't be like those people. See, this always happens. You know how people talk, see, I just made a little money. And then there, that bill came and and always don't talk like that. Let your words align with the word of God. Greater is he than is in us. God is preparing us. And I didn't used to be one of those types of Christians, you know, and I think it's funny. I've been kind of asking the Lord, you know, I've walked into atmospheres where they would preach faith and preach the word of God. And I'd be like, that is weird. And I would see people prophesying at altars and healing the sick. And I would walk out of rooms as a young woman. And I'd say, that's just weird. I don't get that. And then this week I was going, you made me one of them, God, (laughs) how in the world now I'm one of them. (gasps) See what he does. You live surrendered. And now I love this life. I'm over in this dream that believes the word of God. I believe in signs and wonders and miracles. I believe what the word of God says, and I stand on it. And in my darkest hour, I don't let my mouth start being like, see always happens this way. No, I rise up. Oh my gosh, Lord, you're preparing us for something significant. I rebuke the devourer off our finances. I come against everything that's trying to exalt itself above. The enemy is scared of this church. He's scared of you because faith is rising up in you and he's terrified for the effects and the impact on this region. So if you're getting messed with, just know you're probably advancing into enemy territory and he's bummed about it. Do not be swayed by what you see. That's what we do in this moment. Don't be swayed by what you see. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And 2 Corinthians 5.7 says this, for we walk by faith. And not by sight. Hebrews 10, 35, and 36. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. You know your confidence in God has a reward. We get no credit for wanting to do good. We get credit and reward for having confidence in God. You know when he says he's created you for great works? I said, what are these great works, God? He says, Anna, the works that glorify me are the works that require you to be dependent on me. You know the Bible says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I believe without a shadow of doubt that God's gonna lead you into things that require you to be dependent on him because that's where the glory for God is. If you were just smart enough and talented enough and didn't need him, there is no glory for the father. I wanna do things that glorify him. We were created by him and for his glory. So don't be surprised if he asks you to risk, if he asks you to do things that look like you're out on a limb, Or say things, if he puts you in a situation and you're nervous because he's telling you, say this to them. Tell them I love them. And you think, I can't do that. You're in the prime position for God to get glory in that situation because you're uncomfortable, because it's not convenient. Let that be a sign to you. If it all makes sense and you feel good enough, it's probably not faith or risk. I'm telling you, God loves to bring you to the brink of yourself and do some things that you think... How is this going to happen? You just follow his lead. And come out of hiding. I felt like that. I felt like for a season I hid from God because I didn't want to do this. And it was like, he's yelling to me, you know, when your kids come out, come out, wherever you are. And I came out of hiding and he began to show us, this is what I have for you. This is what I'm doing in and through this church and this body. And God has taken over every area of my life. Is he becoming everything to some of you? I'm telling you, he's not okay with the the core a room anymore. He's trying to invade every room in the house. He's trying to get into every part of your life and do something you never dreamed possible. You know, um, the Bible says in Habakkuk two, two, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but it will speak. It says, and it will not lie. God is not a man that he should lie. The things he prepared for you the good works as he reveals some of these things even though you might not be there yet it might just be write it down this past month or so God asked me, because it was nerve-wracking, to write down many of the things he's revealed for this church here. He said, write it out, make it plain, and don't worry about their faces. Sometimes I go in meetings. I've been in a prayer meeting with local San Clemente pastors. It was a men's prayer meeting until I showed up, and they had to <laughs> take the sign off the door, because I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm, we're pastors, and I am not a man. Pastor Jerry would say, well, we prayed for the best man for the job and here she is, but here we are. Right. I didn't, I didn't see this. I didn't see this coming. I'm the most surprised in the room that God would begin to speak vision like this to a mom who never saw this coming. But when I was back at Krakia, 1920 years old, when no one's looking and I'm going back room by room and considering Jesus I'm sleeping in that bed at night. No one's looking at me. No one knows what I'm doing. I'm getting reamed left and right at work. And then I get in the ministry. We get, go through so many things. You guys, I didn't have the wisdom then to know you're preparing for me for a great work, but I am living in the moment of my life that I know when my dad said for such a time as this, and it's not my job that it just, we release it. It's for you. It's for many. It's for thousands of people in this. Region that God is going to begin to call out of hiding, like He did me. Come out, come out, and this territory will never look the same. So, if you put that vision page up there, I'm just going to share little snippets. I actually physically copied. One of my calendar pages, as the spirit of God was speaking, you can't see all of it, but I wrote up in the left-hand corner. This is literally my calendar. See, it says 9 a.m. Wimmel. That's my women in ministry leadership call. Call Sherry. There's many things on this, but God... I'm under the inkling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is alive and well. I heard a quote recently. The Holy Spirit's inside of you and he wants out, okay? He wants out. So we got to move in the things of the Spirit. And I didn't want to move like this. I'm telling you, I went to churches and thought, they're weirdos. And now we're the weirdos. But part of the... Well, we're not weirdos. We just, we see it and we get it. But the Holy Spirit said, part of what you're going to do is make... The supernatural things feel very normal. So that was, we have a problem is that people close themselves off to the things of the spirit or the things of God. Because like I did, you think, what, what are they speaking out? Or why are they praying for healing? Or what is this? But God is saying this territory needs to see the things of the spirit be very normal. That the supernatural can be so simple when the Holy Spirit comes and touches a body or blind eyes open, or you're delivered from alcohol addiction just in his presence. We have that had happened in this church, just like that deliverance because the spirit of God wants to move that way. So he said the rock South County will be the most impactful church in this region. Didn't say the largest church. Didn't say the best church. I'm not being prideful. And I see your faces. See, when I share this, some faces go, Oh, is that like a little prideful? I, this is not us. You know, I I would be fine just working at target and being a mom. But when God gets a hold of your life, you can sense that he's saying, I didn't raise you up just to be average. I created you for signs, wonders and miracles. The Rock South County will be the most impactful church in this region, full of power, signs and wonders and disciples who truly love and worship Jesus and worship will be its signature. We will sing. We see a gospel choir birthing out of here. We see settings where we're in a round worship area and worshipers aren't even like looking at the congregation. I had a vision of a saxophone player just worshiping God, just off in his own direction, just making music to the Lord. And God is just moving and people are being set free. and We're not even saying anything. It's just the atmosphere where the glory of God dwells and these things happen. This will be the most impactful church. Um, Other ministers will find their covering in this church that those who would be sent to the nations will come home here, be refueled and refreshed in this place. If you have a ministry in your heart, a call on your life. We'll see it released, but we'll cover you in this church. Um, tattered broken bruised men will be restored in this church take cities nations schools and businesses um, the word of God will be fruitful and multiply in this region it says in acts 1224 essentially it says the word of God and the hope of his kingdom will spread everywhere will increase and multiply I often say this Dana point will need an airport because so many people are going to begin to soar we are currently in San Clemente but God God has revealed that the place where our hub will be, our physical landing spot will be Dana Point. And from there, we will go to the cities, to nations, to many other areas. But we are planted in San Clemente right now. We feel that God has brought us treasure from this city and they'll go with us. But Dana Point will be our place of promise. Um, We'll develop leaders in this church. People need development to go into the nations, to go other places. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 15 to many came over to him. Many will be coming over to us in great numbers from Israel or from Mission Viejo or from San Diego County because they heard and saw that the Lord, their God was with them. That will be apparent that God is with them for the development of people, for their calling. Um, a great pastor in in uh, Korea says this, when you embrace the vision, the vision embraces you. I had to hug this vision. I had a moment where I was like, I'm holding you tight. We're going to see this because if you don't embrace it or you don't write it down, it's just something about writing it down is powerful. But then when you show it to someone else, so vulnerable to, this is like my, this is like my private thing between the Lord and I'm God is saying, reveal it, share it so people can find themselves in the story. You might say, I'm that broken, bruised one. I, I didn't know that greatness was on the inside of me, but you're feeling God stir up and say, could I take nations? could I plant a church? You know, this is the whole point of this life in Christ is the gospel in all the earth. There is no other agenda. We, we, we make our own agendas. God wants you to have a home, but he doesn't want you to pursue money. Money will follow you as you obey the Lord. These things follow you. You don't follow them. Do you know what I mean? So we're, we'll begin to expound the vision for the sake of time, but this baby will have babies. He has revealed that we we will plant a campus of the rock once one territory he has revealed is the coachella valley which is where i was raised up and uh, my granddad owned desert lock and key so we lived in the desert and we literally had keys to every house in the city so spiritually god has said i've given you keys and not only in the natural, owning the locksmith company, but he used to go to Bob's Hope's house, Frank Sinatra's house, rekey the whole house when the maids would change over. Or So this is, God is saying, I've given you access into that territory too. I won't go there necessarily. We won't pastor it, but we'll send pastors. I've already told Jerry, Pastor Jerry, they say, we can see it, Anna. The Coachella Valley needs the rock. It needs discipleship. It needs the flowing of the spirit of God through that desert desert region, so is that okay to share? Can you come, hon? You want to close us
1: out? Bless the Lord. That song John is playing behind us, The Promise Still Stands. I want us to stand together if we could. Can we thank God for his word today? Thank you, Lord. Stretch those legs. I was reminded in Romans chapter 4, it talks about the promise granted to Abraham, and it says, But the promise was granted by faith. Paul is defending the gospel that it's not a gospel of works. That's actually a false gospel. If you are trying to earn your salvation, the Bible says you're actually cursed to keep the whole law. And so Paul goes through great lengths to let the people know that Abraham received God's promise by faith. In other words, he believed it before he saw it. And it says this in Romans chapter 4. In verse 17, it says, I have made you a father of many nations. And then I have this highlighted in my Bible. It says, in the presence of him whom he believed. It was in God's presence that Abraham believed. It wasn't just something that he heard in passing. And I want to pray for us today because I believe the promise still stands for many today. Maybe you've, you've had a promise and it's kind of waned. Well, God says the way you get that back is in his presence. It says, in the presence of God, Abraham believed. Sometimes we try to make ourselves believe. I know I can be like that. I try to force myself to believe something supernatural, and I fall short every single time. And so maybe you're here today, and I felt sensitive to those that maybe you didn't clap during the message because you're thinking, man, I had something promised, or I was believing and somehow over time or just disappointment it didn't pan out, I want to encourage you today that God wants to re-stir up that promise in you that it's still granted by faith it's still going to come to you by believing God but the way you get that faith is in his presence, so I want to pray for if you're here today and you, you need that promise, God has promised you something and maybe it's waned, I want you just to extend your hands to him and I'm gonna pray over you. I'm gonna pray for myself as well in his presence where we are. Lord, we thank you today for your presence. And we thank you, God, that it's in your presence that we believe. Lord, thank you that that passage goes on to say, in contrary to hope, in hope, Abraham believed that what was spoken shall come to pass, that he gave glory to God. And so, Lord, we give you glory today. By extending our hands to you, God, and letting you know that we believe, God, that what you said and spoken over our lives will come to pass. And Lord, I thank you that this week you're going to help us to get into your presence just a little bit more. Because it's in your presence that not only do you speak, but do we have the capacity to believe the impossible. And Lord, I thank you for Anna today, our pastor. We just... I lay my hands on her and I thank you, God, that as she meets you in your presence, Lord, that the impossible will come through her, touching each one of us, God, as you have set her to be the pastor or the head of this church, Lord. You are the head of the church, but as you have anointed her, God, I pray that you would continue to speak to her as she gets into your presence, God, and those things that seem impossible, God, you would make them possible through her to this body. So, Lord, we thank you today for your presence. Thank you, God, that you are stirring up faith in your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we say amen, if you're here today as I prayed and you haven't received Jesus, I want to pray for you to simply... Have him in your heart today to be your savior and your Lord. And again, that happens by believing. It says by believing, we enter in to the promise. When Jesus died on the cross, he said it is finished, that the work was done and that we receive by believing. So I'm going to pray this prayer. If you are praying it for the first time, just mutter it to God. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. It's not what you say, it's the posture of your heart. I receive him today to be my Savior and my Lord. Lord, I confess to you my sin. (laughs) Thank you for forgiving me of my sin, washing me clean today. Thank you that I belong to you. I choose to, to follow you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that you've put greatness inside of me. And thank you, God, that you're working on me. May I participate and cooperate with who you're creating me to be thank you for it in jesus name i pray
0: amen and amen can we give the lord some praise